to another episode of Raw and Real Chat. Elizabeth Lim here, your podcast host. I am joined by Judy Fox. Thank you so much for making the time tonight for you and during the day here for me in Melbourne. Tell us everyone, tell everyone what part of America are you joining us from? I am near Washington, D.C. I'm a couple hours south in Richmond, Virginia. Wow, I always ground people with Washington, D.C. because most people know where that is. <laughs> yes, well, the, you know, from here in Australia, we do definitely know about Washington, D.C. But I mean, <laughs> so you're, you're obviously in your summertime at the moment. How's that going for you? It's, it's really, really nice. We are wrapping up the next two weeks of summer and then they all go back to school, at least here in Virginia. They go back to school after Labor Day. And that's the beginning of September. So we are actually going to spend a week at the beach and just have uh, some good times. And I'm also headed to Dallas, Texas to speak at Video Marketing World. Oh, that's so, awesome. A lot of good things for the end of summer. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing a bit of traveling, which you, which you two tend to do for your, your speaking engagements um, mm -hmm. and your business um, and those types of things. But do you want to tell us a little bit more about you know, what you've been up to in terms of all, all of that, that, that kind of activity? Well, yeah, I mean, because it's raw and real and we were just having a heart to heart, we were talking about how um, a lot of times there's a balance between how many things you can accept and be on the road for and how much you want to be home and be with your family and your friends and your community and your literally your head on your own pillow at home. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I you know, have had to say a lot of amazing yeses and a lot of no's, unfortunately. <laughs> but the yeses, I, I actually said, I think 2017, I named it the year of hell yes from myself. And I said that because I wanted to focus more on how excited I was about the hell yeses. And instead, that way I could just feel how the no's would naturally just kind of fall away. It wasn't meant because I didn't want those opportunities. I just wanted the ones that were more of a hell yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that um, it sounds to me, though, that um, being able to identify those hell yes moments um, <laughs> took a little bit. It would have taken some time to obviously really come to terms with what, what it was that you wanted to achieve and accomplish. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I know your background is as a chemical engineer. Um, yes. All the way back in 1999, was it? Yes, I graduated as a chemical engineer in 99. <laughs> <laughs> and did you work in that space, in the engineering space? I did. I worked in the engineering space for a very long time. I actually started off as a project engineer and a process engineer at a manufacturing company and worked also in a... I've worked in petroleum, refineries, <laughs> I've worked in uh, mining, open pit mines, and yeah, I've been in a lot of hard hats and uh, steel toe boots. <laughs> well, that's, um, it's interesting, my husband's an automotive mechanical engineer, so um, definitely not that side of things, um, you know, he's, he's more with the cars. Oh, I mean, of course, he's obviously be on the, on the floor with, with the cars and stuff like that, and and now with some scientific instruments. But I guess drawing back from that time when you were uh, working as an engineer, did you, um, did you have inklings of, of wanting to be an entrepreneur back then or was that not something that came into your mind? 
I always had a very entrepreneurial type of spirit, I would say. I was growing up, I was always told that I didn't quite fit in with the flow of what everyone else was doing. I was very quick to question, well, why are we doing it that way? If that's not like, is that the best way? Like, I was just very... Um, I don't know if I was intense. I'm sure, sure my parents would have some comments about that, but I was very challenging. I was very like not willing to just sit there and see the, just see everything and, and not question it. I always had a very questioning spirit. And then the other thing that came up in my life as a theme was I didn't realize all the opportunities of what you could become. And I remember sitting down, this is pre-internet, pre-internet. So you had to go to the library. <laughs> and so I remember going to the library and looking up books, career books, and I dug into how to write a resume and how to do careers and how to interview. And I was learning how to navigate getting a higher salary job very very young age which is very entrepreneurial and i remember strategically thinking about the first job i applied for and it was working in a bakery and i remember thinking they had a job opening i was pretty young i was like 16 or 17 and i was thinking okay well i bet i'm the only person that's going to get there right when the bakery either opens or right as they're coming to the door to open the bakery is when I handed my resume and I said, see, I can wake up and get here prior to like you needing to put the bread in the oven or whatever it is. You know, I was like, so I got the job. Like he was like, you're done. You're here. <laughs> like, you, you don't care. I just, in my head, I thought things like that. And then in my head, I also, um, going through college, I remember thinking, I was always coming from a place of how can I simplify what I need to learn? How can I make the complex more simple? That was literally always what I focused on. So it was like a thread that still goes through to today. It's just how my brain works. And so that's where I think the entrepreneurial spirit comes from and thinking, I didn't even know that you could have a job. What kind of jobs are out there? What opportunities? And unless I could read it in a book back then, I didn't know it existed prior to the internet. Well, so. that's, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot has changed since uh, we've gone very digital, very tech. Um, mm -hmm. But what you're talking about is um, something that's fundamental that's always been with you. You just need to, to find that kind of avenue that, that you're now able to funnel that, that energy into because you talked about, you know, the, the opportunities that you have been able to accept and those opportunities that uh, you have had to decline. Do you mind me asking about those ones that you've had to decline? Because part of, part of what I know the audience of this podcast are quite interested in uh, is the rawness of those struggles. Hmm. So... Can you tell us a little bit more about whether they were easy decisions for you to make to decline those opportunities? I think the rawness and realness is probably more from a place of not being able to sometimes get back to opportunities. Okay. It's not necessarily, it's almost like no's sometimes happen because you took too long. And there might, so I'll be real and raw, there might have been ones that I actually wanted to say yes to. 
and that I didn't get back in time because of all of that I was handling and everything on my plate and depending on where I was. So for a long time, I was side hustling. And I mean, we're talking for a very long time. So when I go back to thinking one of my earlier maybe blog posts where I was telling people and doing that inbound marketing, I can draw all the way back to like 2010, 2011, 2013. I, I actually have a, a Pinterest post talking about how to find connections on LinkedIn and how to network and how to connect to get a job. So I can go all the way back to those days and think I've always been, I've been side hustling for a very long time. I just never thought I would fully step out of the corporate space. I just, because maybe I had grown up thinking I'll be in a company my whole life, just like my dad was. And that's what you aim for. And again, it's coming from a place of never seeing anything different. And so having podcasts actually, and I know I'm eventually going to get to it, but having podcasts like this one or having podcasts is actually where I started to realize and hear all these amazing voices about people doing different things. It wasn't mm. until that, I mean, I've heard of being a public speaker. I heard about different things, but I could never connect all the dots to finally say, oh yeah, I can go out and start creating content on LinkedIn and see what happens there and really niche down and focus on one platform. So getting back to the nose, <laughs> I think with all the inbound opportunities that I was blessed with and still am blessed with that I love, I feel like a lot of them end up being nose from a place of either we go back and forth and we realize it's just maybe not a fit yeah. and that ends up being a no by default. I haven't really had to like, I, maybe because I say no in a way that's just a very healthy boundary that says it's, it's not a yes right now. Like maybe in the future that might come up, maybe, maybe next year I'll be able to go to XYZ conference, you know, even just being asked by people saying, are you coming to inbound this year? I've gotten that so many times this year. And I love that, but I'm like, it may not be in the cards unless I have a sponsor or I have somebody flying <laughs> me out there. <laughs> but certain things have to line up for certain opportunities to know that you're going to say yes. And to me, I look at people, I look at what you know financial aspect is going to be involved and it has to just feel right. It has to be the right fit. And you just can't say yes to everything. You can't say yes to every piece of content online either. You know, like- oh my gosh, I could spend my whole day commenting and liking and engaging. And I don't know how, I don't know how some people do it or they have a whole team, but right now it's still my voice on the platform. So I went off on a bunch of tangents, but. No, well, they, yeah. they're perfect. They're perfect tangents because I, what, what it, what it, well, it, it certainly helps me um, because you, you touch on something that really, really quite important. And I think is, I know, I know it affects me and it, it resonates with me particularly because um, it's that I get that feeling of stretching yourself way too thin. Um, mm -hmm. And you're right, like engaging on LinkedIn is a lot more in-depth than it is, say, for instance, and I'm only just pretty new to Instagram and, and Twitter, but that um, I've always likened Instagram to a magazine and LinkedIn to more like a newspaper because mm -hmm. You, you, have, you have to read, um, you have to, you know, really 
have some thought into the comments that you leave on people's posts. Otherwise, you will come across as a person that doesn't isn't invested in in those people. Which, as like, I'm sure we all go like going through a busy peak period and projects just coming, you know, out of my ears. Um, I, I know for me personally, I haven't been able to engage as much as I used to. And so to hear you say that really is so reassuring because it makes me realize that I'm not the only one struggling with keeping up with that content and keeping up with that engagement because you know, over time you build up such great connections and great relationships with people and you don't want to let them down. You don't want to disappoint them. But I think also one of the things that I've noticed is that when you're honest and say that it's just a busy time at the moment and that, you know, you, you, you know, this is the reason why you're not being able to engage as much that, that that's that people do understand that because you mentioned um, offline that, you had, uh, you know, you were posting heaps and heaps of content in, in, you know, the first three months of, of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then the following three months, you know, you, you kind of slow down a little bit. I mean, that, you know, how did that, um, you mentioned that, you know, it didn't affect business, but did it affect you in terms of, um, like, yeah, <laughs> it affected me. No, it didn't affect my business. I am no. waiting. I'm like, what is she going to say? But it, didn't affect me. <laughs> no, it did. It did affect you. And it affected me from a personal feeling of relationships yeah. that I, I wanted to still be there online, but it became like a backlog of so much content that I could put out into the world that I recorded that I was feeling too much guilt to be able to create and be creative to put it out anymore. Like it started to create this weird dynamic and I didn't enjoy it and I did not like it, but I also had something personal happen in my life that, you know, it just gave me a roadblock, an emotional bump that, um, brought up stuff from the past. It, but I, but I, so I, you only have so much bandwidth, right? So during that time, I thought to myself, well, the number one bandwidth I have to protect is being able to feed and clothe and put a roof (laughs) over my head for me and my child. So I needed to also serve my clients and care about them. And I needed to kind of look at this hierarchy. And then I think what's really hard is realizing that people who you created great connections with on LinkedIn, and then you you know, trickle out into Twitter and into Instagram. And because everybody's on different platforms, not all of them are super active every day on LinkedIn. They also love being on other platforms. I think it's just hard because I notice that, and I'll just be really blunt. I get the feeling that some people don't realize how long-term of a relationship that we could be forming. And that could be a lot of years. And so one or two or three months of me not commenting or not being on the platform as much has really nothing to do with anyone else. It had to do with me and it had to do with something I was going through. And so that's why it's really hard when those people maybe judge it or don't maybe they see that you weren't on their content and then you're like, I'm not going to be on yours. I'm like, (laughs) okay. Like it was just a couple months, but... I don't know. I don't know how to navigate that. That's actually been on my mind a lot because I've been wondering how people navigate that. How do they navigate the feeling of 
you create these great friendships and you just take a couple months off yes. and then some people don't think they're your friend anymore. Yes. I don't understand yes. that. I still think I'm your friend and I'll get back on your content and check out what you've been up to for the past couple of months. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I really needed to hear this. You don't, you, okay. have, no, you have no idea how much. Well, I, I don't know how to solve it. <laughs> it happens, and I don't know how to figure it out. Does anyone have an answer? <laughs> well, this is the thing. I, I, I don't think, I don't, I, I personally don't think that there is an answer besides the fact that being open enough to just talk about it because what you've just said is exactly how I felt um, when I, I didn't switch off, but I, um, I had to, like, the priorities had to change because it was about clients. It was about family. It was, you know, it was, yeah, like there was this, like, this is the thing having those relationships and those connections that you build, they just, they mean so much. Um, but you are definitely torn in so many different directions because your obligations and your responsibilities, they're still present and they're still real, uh, you know, in real life. Like you can't escape the fact that you've got to take your kids to school and you've got to, you know, run your house and, and run your business and do everything that you, you need to do. Um, you know, and when, when you're getting so much momentum on social media, whichever platform it is, you know, how do you sustain it all? And knowing when to say, okay, you know, I'm going to take, you've got to pick one that's going to take a, a backseat, which is usually, you know, the digital side. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but you're right. It does come with this feeling of guilt, this, and also the judgment that you speak about because you're right. Cause I experienced it too. I was like, well, hold on. It's, it's not, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing about anyone else outside. It's more got to do with what's going on for me. It's not personal. It's it really isn't. It, it, when people, this is why I say to people, if you are getting online on social media and you're, you have to think about your motivation because, and I've had to rethink mine. I didn't always, you know, you know, I've had to process along the way. And I've recently thought to myself, my motivation is, um, that at the end of the day, I still need to serve clients and my family. And I think to myself, if you are an amazing friend and you're somebody I want and you want me in your life and I want you in my life, then I don't understand why we like a couple months where I don't comment on somebody's content turns them off. Or, you know, that's where I'm like, I can't, I, I have to figure out how to make dinner and not be on my cell phone. And I had to figure out how to put down my phone because my son was asking me when I was sitting on the couch to put down my phone because I was commenting a ton. And that's, that's a tough place to be in. And when you realize your own child is saying and noticing your behavior to such a degree, I started putting down my phone a lot more. So which decreased the number of amount of hours I have in the day to comment <laughs> or sure. to be on the platform or to create content or, and I had to realize it's all seasons, right? It's yes. all seasons. That's exactly it. So, I mean, I think that, that you, you really deliver a very powerful message and that's a message of being human um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and knowing when, um, when and how to, to, to just, as you say, just like kind of operate because, um, you know, 
every there's there's no discounting anything that we do because I can tell that the conversations you have with your connections and with the people you know through any of the platforms you're on they're real connections they're real they're real it's real engagement and you're really being genuine and that's why you're so torn and that's why it's so difficult um, but to hear that is so so reassuring and I had no idea that this is where the conversation would go because I didn't either <laughs> because... <laughs> and it's been on my it's been on my mind all day because it just came up recently yeah. where I thought it hit me earlier today and I said is there an answer to this is there like a solution is there because you mentioned even earlier on where you get online and you maybe say hey guys I've been missing or I've been not posting but I personally don't really do that. And the reason why is because I don't realize I, I am a very hindsight kind of person. I have a lot of 2020 hindsight. <laughs> Just like FYI. <laughs> we all do. I sometimes don't realize a pattern or see something until it's two months have gone by. And then I realize, oh, I have been really missing from being able to comment that very much because I've been so focused. It's not like I'm not doing work. It's not like I'm not on my computer. I just realized I shifted some of my energy. And the other thing I'll say is I have had a resistance to being, what's the word? Because I want to be real and authentic and be myself. I had a resistance to getting super organized in that area because I wanted to actually be able to get on the platform and feel like I was spending time in a way that didn't feel so, I don't know, strategic all the time. Like, <laughs> does that make sense? Like somebody yeah. the other day posted something and they wrote it a certain way and it made it sound like every connection is constantly strategic. Oh. And I was like, it's just the way they yeah. wrote it. Yeah, and then okay. I, and then I said, we have to remember I'm still just a human and I don't want to be felt like I'm your strategy. Yeah. Well, oh, that is so, that, that reminds me of a post because you're right. Because when people feel that way, they then start to, yeah, wonder what your intentions are because you're right. You need to be able to represent yourself um, real, like authentically, because like, say for instance, you meet somebody face-to-face -face at a networking event or, you know, at a conference or an event, um, you know, you're there to get to know them as a person and also to represent yourself and, and talk about mm -hmm. things because that's the catch, I guess, with particularly with LinkedIn, because it is a professional or business platform, mm -hmm. it, it's very easy to kind of get into that very um, strategic headspace to say, oh, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z so that I can, so I can get a number of results and outcomes, um, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're doing, then there's kind of it. People, if I could say, people can smell that a mile away. Like, do you know what I mean? And then people start to go a little bit off your, you know, what what you're about. Because I guess this is the thing. I think that, you know, I know that you hear a lot of people who say, oh, you know, I don't want to be the type of person on LinkedIn that people wonder what do you do, you know, because I get this a lot because I don't push and I don't plug my business a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I keep that to my business LinkedIn page as opposed to my my personal one. So I keep it quite separate. 
Um, so if people do want to know what, what, you know, Q2M and what, what, what services we offer, go look at the business page. But in terms of my content, it is kind of what the things I'm interested in. And I talk about more about just things that are going on with me and, you know, things that are relevant in the professional setting in terms of leadership and stuff like that. But I guess everyone does have a different view, point of view of, of what you do and how you do it. Because, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier about judgment. You know, it's something mm -hmm. that we really, you know, judgment and perception is something that we're always having to, to navigate. I mean... Well, and everyone has different expectations yes. of what we're all online for and how... Um, somebody may have an expectation that you should get online and tell people you're maybe going to take some weeks off. I come from a place of, it was drilled in me not to even tell people that I was going to an event, which scares me. I'm like, I'm not supposed to tell people I'm going out of town, you know, like, Oh yeah. Okay. I get you. Yeah, I, was, I, yeah. I was raised with this like concept before the internet, I was raised that we don't even go to the grocery store and accidentally say something in the checkout line because the person behind us could hear it. I mean, I was raised very conservatively to be aware of your surroundings, to be aware of there, there are people that are not having good intentions out there. And that is why having healthy boundaries online are okay. And I, somebody posted something the other day on, it wasn't on LinkedIn, but it basically said, it's okay to be rude to creepy people. <laughs> and I thought that was a very interesting concept because I was like, if somebody's creepy, rude could be blocking them. But if yeah. they're creepy, then why do you need creepy in your, yeah. in your world, in your radar? I'm talking people sending messages that don't make sense in the DMs, yeah. you know, the <laughs> private direct messages. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I thought it was such an interesting way of saying it because it was so clear. Yeah. You can be, I give you permission to be rude to creepy. And yeah. I was like, kind of, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I think the thing is, yeah, it is, it's a, it's a, it is. And I guess that's one of the most fascinating things about social media is you really get to see different people's approaches to things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, no judgments casted, but it it is a bit odd how some people approach things because I'm a bit more like you. Because if somebody is being really creepy or just weird, it's just kind of a safer bet to kind of just block them and, and right and just take it out. Like you don't you don't need that kind of you don't need to waste your energy really. No. <laughs> And so I came up with a standard in my private direct messages that if I, I, I either have like, I know you or I don't know you. I, it's clear why you want to talk in the direct messages and what the, what the conversation is going to be about. Yeah. Or I politely tell you that I don't have chit chat in the direct messages yeah. with basically with conversations that I don't understand what is happening. I don't know. If it's just, hi, how are you? I will tell them that I don't have those conversations in the direct messages. And I have a standard message, super short and sweet. I copy and paste it and I put it into the message. So that way I, 
I just know that I have a very high boundary and that way I can make sure to focus my direct messages to conversations that I understand because I can't, I, you could go down a whole rabbit hole of direct messages where you feel they're spam or they're taking advantage of you or they're wasting your time. And I say to myself, if you're feeling that way, then try to solve it. Exactly. That's- because that's something within your control to solve. And yes, we may complain or we may say, oh, this is spam and LinkedIn has spam. I've been so lucky that since I implemented that policy, my, my direct messages are not full of spam anymore. I end up having great conversations in there now. That's right. I mean, I think that my stock standard line is um, look forward to engaging you with you through the LinkedIn posts. Like, you know, I put it back out. If you want to talk me to me, yeah, put it, let's do it in public. And mm-hmm. anything you've got to say to me, if you, if it's, if it's legitimate, you can say it in public. Um, but you're right. There are obviously opportunities and proper conversations that you can have in that private, those private messages. And so you will actually be able to weed them out when you, when you say the, the, the right things, you know, kind of the right time, because yes, you'll get unwanted attention. You'll get, like you said, just things you just kind of don't understand, um, you know, people twisting things around. But at the end of the day, like it is, it is another part to manage. It's, it's, it's just as much as managing the comments through your posts and knowing yeah. what to do with, you know, like some strange ones. There's not that we get that many on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and that is one thing I've actually noticed on Instagram is that I get the strangest comments on Instagram. And um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, um, but I guess for Instagram, it's really a numbers thing. There's a lot of high, high exposure. It's all about numbers and stuff like that. Um, and mm. less about kind of what, what, what discussions are happening. So I think that I really can tell that, um, you know, what you're experiencing and your experience on LinkedIn is so mm. valuable. So do you, do you find that this um, that this is part of how you help your clients? Because I, I see that it's a lot of your focus now on uh, that that LinkedIn space, or, or or what what is your? I mean, I guess what what's your what's your um, what are your goals for for the rest of two thousand and nineteen? Oh, for the rest of twenty nineteen, it is to run the LinkedIn like a fox group coaching one more time. I'm looking at opening it up on October first, and I for that I. The reason why things have shifted is because I did hire a business coach. So I hired a coach at the beginning of July, and that has really made me sit down and do more work in my business, on my business, whatever. People use those terms all the time. (laughs) But I was working so hard to try to do that thing where you just put all the pieces of the puzzle together in a very logical way to repeat Um, business success through LinkedIn. So when Mm. I'm coming from a place where the coach that I worked with and what I've been able to kind of back out of my own experiences was, to be honest, I actually started on LinkedIn mostly from a place of the same thing many people are on there for, which is getting a job or having opportunities or finding their next uh, career opportunity. And then the second thing was because I built my own environmental consulting business that was just my own consulting business. And I ran that through LinkedIn. 
And I don't really talk about that very much because I didn't necessarily want more environmental work coming my way. <laughs> that sounds really funny. I love the environment. And that is the, I ended up getting my master's in environment and sustainability. So I was in the environmental space for probably, it ended up being probably 18 years of environmental work. And I have tons of like opportunities that I was working with in that space. And contracts that were fifty, seventy thousand dollar contracts that all because of LinkedIn. Wow. And so when I think about it from that perspective, that's the direction where I'm more highlighting the ability to grow a business by using LinkedIn, not necessarily, oh, I can just make you popular on LinkedIn. <laughs> but actually the whole concept of how to create contracts that you can then you know, one of the things I tell my clients is before you, any ones that are side hustling before you quit your job, a really, really great thing that I implemented was going out and networking on LinkedIn to find opportunities where I could set up and get into their procurement process in their company, especially mm -hmm. if you're working in that corporate space mm -hmm. and do the paperwork now to become a preferred supplier as an individual. You know, you have to navigate the whole, how much insurance do you have depending on what you're doing for the company? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I've got like a whole world of potentially even niching down to a certain industry and I haven't decided, but basically just saying like, those opportunities are out there on LinkedIn and here's how you can navigate and actually grow a thriving business by using this platform. Mm. It's a tool yes. <laughs> and it's been a tool for a very long time and it will continue to be a networking and all those skills, the sales skills, the business development skills, they're all coming together in my program. <laughs> well, it's very, it's very refreshing to hear that um, what you are helping people learn with LinkedIn as a tool is not how to become famous, but to actually be, you know, a successful business operator, which mm -hmm. um, is a lot more functional and it's a lot more, it's a lot more practical. Um, so I think that, you know, you will obviously when your program is released the 1st of October, you know, you, it's going to be so, you know, well-received um so that that's fantastic that to hear that that's that's in the in the pipe works for you um so i mean i mean i always like to kind of wrap up things with my guests to ask whether there is kind of one thing that um you know your your kind of golden tip that you have for others um that that, that you've always found has been the most beneficial for yourself is, is there is there one thing that, that you find yourself just, I guess, constantly repeating so that you can just say it once now and, you know, be kind of almost known for it? What, what, what would that be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know that I go through periods of time where phrases really ground me. Yeah. And the current phrase that has really grounded me in everything that ties it all together is what you focus on expands. Okay. And the reason I say that is because it applies to so many pieces of your business and of 
just showing up on LinkedIn. So for example, if you want to expand a certain part of your business, if you spend the hours and the energy and the focus on it, it will expand, it will grow, it will gain that next client, it will, but it's when you dilute your focus that nothing really expands. And then you feel like you've got that stretched thin, spinning your wheels feeling. And so I, anyone who ever says they've got that spinning, they've got so many things to do. I'm like, what's the one thing we can dial it back to and focus on. And the other reason I share that is because it's very personal to me, which is why I'm sharing that I had taken those four years off of posting publicly on social media. And that's actually when I grew my environmental consulting business during those four years. And I say to myself during those four years, I filmed video every single day and I can be a testament to what you focus on expands, even if it's by accident. So I accidentally expanded my ability and confidence on camera without really realizing that it became four years of constantly opening up my camera, pointing it at my face. And it turns out it expanded my world of video. (laughs) And you did mention offline about Mm -hmm. something very, very special and unique that came out of that four years of video. Are you, will you share that with our listeners now? Oh, you mean the video that I put together from that event at that that time? Yeah. So I only one person has seen the whole video (laughs) on this. Well, my son, my son has seen it. I've seen it. And one other person, actually my accountability partner that I met through the coach that I worked with because accountability, I don't mean to go down all these rabbit holes, but having somebody who cares about your progress in life, about what you're going to achieve, that can make a huge difference in your business. So, okay. So she has seen it and that's it. Three people, (laughs) but it's a video. It's a one minute video compiled basically from the 2014 to 2018 videos that I filmed. And it's just, we filmed video like no one would ever see it. So it's not a video that was ever meant to go out into the world. It was just our lives, documenting our lives every single day. (laughs) And you said that you might quite possibly share that little snippet. I have it at the end of the presentation at Video Marketing World. And then I will probably share it online after that event. Wow. So that's something, another, another thing to, uh, you know, another earmarked kind of milestone because I, I think that anybody listening needs to understand how, um, to me, it sounds as though that that compilation, that one-minute compilation, is pretty much encapsulates a lot of vulnerability and, you know, something that, you know, means something so deep for you. Um, oh, you, it's you, everything. I, yeah. will, I could watch that video every day for the rest of my life, but I would say... The, the thing that happened because I filmed a one second video and I filmed more than one second. It was just a reminder. It's an app called the one second app every day, but it just reminded me to take a video. It didn't necessarily mean I only took up one second. I took plenty of minutes. <laughs> um, but the point is that it was, like I said, a reminder to film a video, but also a reminder to smile and find joy every single day or to document these 
seemingly insignificant moments of sitting on the front porch talking with my three-year-old or it was just the cutest little moment so honestly I think the video is more like I don't know a little bit of joy and smile and cute versus mainly because I really did get on video to remind myself to have more joy in life like to be grateful to be to be happy for these little moments that I was having wow that that just it gives me goosebumps to hear that, um, you know, that you have that, you have that, that bank of memory via mm -hmm. video, which is fantastic, but also that you have that message to share, which is to be grateful um, and to, to remember to be happy and to smile and to laugh um, and to remember that that is such an important part of life because we will all have our own struggles and our own challenges. Um, but through it all, if we can um, make sure that we spread that happiness and joy with our loved ones, that's kind of the part that will really stay with us, won't it? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure that's what your son will always remember. Yeah. And it, I, I always hear like, oh, keep a gratitude journal or write it down. And I realized I was living in a phase of my life where I didn't, I was struggling to keep documenting or writing anything down. Writing felt very scary. Video felt less scary. It sounds funny, but it's because I really literally filmed video thinking, like I didn't even have an Instagram account. I didn't even have anywhere where I would put these videos. So they were just housed on my phone and they were going to stay there because it wasn't for any other reason other than to, like I said, it was like a video gratitude journal. Wow. So. No. Well, this is the thing. I think that on that note, it, it really, it will leave everyone thinking. And that's the main point of, of always Good. these podcasts is to think and to just, you know, to, to revel in, in, in life, in what we're, what we're here to do, which is live a life. So on that, I've really got to say thank you so much for sharing all of that stuff with us, Judy. I really do appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs>